Morning, church. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're here. We're here. Well, good to see each of you this morning. This is part two of our Falling Forward series, which we'll conclude today. We're just casting the vision of what God is doing and where we sense he is leading us. And last week, uh, we started this series uh, right here on the front porch. And, and we learned last week that the front porch is really a relic from the American past. So let's revisit kind of what we talked about last week. If we roll the clock back, say, a uh, hundred years, uh, America looked much different in 1917, way back then. In fact, back in 1917, in American towns, uh, it would be very difficult for you to find any house that did not have a front porch. It was uh, kind of the American way at that point. But as you know, things change. Uh, The front porch was uh, kind of this transitional between the uh, very public street and the private parlor. Uh, and then business was done on the front porch and neighbors uh, were greeted on the front porch and life was lived on the front porch. Uh, but that's not the way it is anymore. And so this becomes uh, just a symbol of architecture of the way America used to be. And we wonder, uh, what happened? If life happened on the front porch, what happened to the front porch? Well, uh, modern inventions happened. We have the automobile. And the automobile allowed people not to live in town, but to buy properties outside of town and therefore be even more secluded from their neighbors. And other technologies began to be introduced. Uh, Welcome the air conditioner. The air conditioner allowed people to go from the front porch to live indoors year-round. And closely behind then the air conditioner was the invention of the television set. And rather than the family meeting on the front porch, there was now the the family room or the TV room where people would eat the newly invented TV dinners while they watched television together uh, for hours. And so that which used to happen in community on the front porch was now kind of restricted uh, to within the house. And so every piece of technology, in my opinion, uh, now kind of adds to the dilemma uh, of what we're experiencing, like the garage door opener, which will now allow you to never even greet your neighbors, right? Door goes up, door goes down, and you are can, can be completely isolated and insulated from your neighbor. And today in 2017 suburbia, garages greet you, not front porches. And so uh, that's kind of the, the stuff we talked about last week, the evolution of how we got where we are. So the new porch is now in the backyard. It's called the deck. And so people build a deck in the backyard and they put up something to cook their food on or buy a grill. They put up nice furniture on the back deck and then put a fence around it. Uh, Therefore, we can be exclusive but live still outdoors but no contact with neighbors. And so the front porch is now the back deck. And in the absence of front porch connections, uh, neighbors began to drift apart and community relationships began to wither. Now, I'm not saying this is either right or wrong, good or bad. That's not the point. It's just kind of a review of where we've come as a nation over the last hundred years or so. So again, we're not making any kind of moral judgments on that, but here's where we end up. American society has changed. 
Uh, If you have any miles on you, you would agree with that. And it continues to change. Overall, we become more and more individualistic and more and more independent as a people. That is the American way, is it not? We value very much our independence and our freedom. But with that, the cost to that is we become less and less community-oriented. That is well-documented in many, many studies. Americans in general have pulled back from community orientation and involvement. Instead of having deep and lasting neighborhood connections, many people don't even know their neighbors' names because they come and go. And uh, we were kind of amazed at that. People have lived in the same neighborhood for 5, 10, 15 years they don't know their neighbors names uh, they see them and might wave on occasion but that's the depth of relationship but interestingly to me at the same time as we now have all the the technology and these advantages the importance given to family has also declined over that same period of time. It's not that technology now allows us to have more family time. Quite the opposite is true. There is less and less family interaction and less family time in America than there ever has been. And so how do we put all this together? We've turned on our screens so that we can all be alone and safe, protected by fences within the confines of our own homes. And it's all about our own family and what happens to us. And even in spiritually, it becomes this Jesus and me uh, kind of mentality. Hmm. Hmm. And so in in the modern family, uh, people don't really even watch TV together anymore. Uh, everyone has their own screen, and they are watching what they choose to watch very independently. And so we have become a culture in which we watch on our screens other people doing life. We watch other families, we watch other situations, and we kind of compare it to our own. But we're in this fantasy kind of world in which we watch the way other people are living. Hmm. And so a society of watchers, we have become disconnected and increasingly lonely. That is documented as well. Well, we want to do life differently here at Southside. Our clear and very concise and, I believe, compelling reason for existing as our church is to connect people to God, each other, our community, and our world. That's what we're about. We want to stand against the flow of culture, which is disconnecting people, and begin reconnecting to God, each other, in our community and world. You see, the Bible is not so much a book about religion. In fact, it has little to do with religion. It is a book about relationships. And in the book, it tells us how we can have a relationship with God and also have relationships with each other according to God's way, which are then quite fulfilling. And so we turn to the book of relationships to know how to do this right. And so we understand that's uh, part of the reason you're here is to worship God, as Al so well said, uh, because he alone is worthy. And God the Father sent his son Jesus in order to reconnect us to God. Our sin has separated us from God. We need to be reconnected to the Father. Religion didn't do it. Good works didn't do it. So he sent his son to be the bridge back to the Father to reconnect us to God. And through faith in the sacrifice for us on the cross, we overcome then this separation, this disconnectedness from God, and we are then put into God's family. 
We are adopted into his family as his children. Once that's happened, we are then placed into the church, which is called in Scripture many things. One that I particularly like is the body of Christ. We are put into the body of Christ. Now, here's what Paul said. Uh, Paul, the apostle, often and frequently pictures the body of Christ as a human body, kind of compares it with it. And he said this, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Let's think about that just for a moment, shall we? All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you uh, that's like everybody here, uh, is a part of it, okay? So that's how Paul kind of pictures then uh, the body of Christ. He goes on to write, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's a rather profound statement because in our individualistic, independent mindset, we come to church. We come to church to get fed. We come to church uh, so that we can become recharged. We're missing the point of why church even exists. We don't come to get. We come to give. We are here connected relationally to the body of Christ and each of us are responsible for the other. Look at what this verse says again. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And that's why we gather together corporately is to worship God together, to encourage one another, And through the act of giving, we get. Given, it shall be given unto you. That is a very basic principle of Scripture. In fact, we become interdependent within the body of Christ. And if you are coming and going from this church in and out and never connecting, we're missing the point of what we're doing here, folks. The church has got to be a family tied together with strong relationships and therefore each other in the tough times, rejoicing in the good times, doing life together. This is a particular burden of my heart that we become increasingly a family together. And so we're not going to allow you to slip in and slip out. You come to church on Sunday, do your religious thing. If that's where it is, you got the wrong place. We want you to grow, though, with us into vital relationship, this kind of relationships that is healthy and growing and the way that God intended it to be interdependent. Wow. Now, as Americans, we pride ourselves in being financially, professionally, and relationally independent. We do. We want to get to the point where we don't need anyone. We don't need anyone, right? In my business in my personal relationships, in my finances. I've built my own portfolio, and I've put aside my own retirement, and I've done this, and I've done that. We want to get to a point where we say, we don't need anyone. I don't need to depend on anyone. Wow, be careful. Because I'm convinced many well-intentioned Jesus followers fail to realize that to be independent is to be clearly non-Christian. To be independent is to be clearly non-Christian. It is definitely non-biblical according to the verses that we've just looked at and many, many more in Scripture. And if our goal is to be independent, we are missing the point of why God sent his son. He wanted us reconnected with the Father and then connected to each other so that we might connect with our community and with our world. Make sense to you? Make sense? I hope so. I hope so. 
You see, I'm also convinced that many well-intentioned Jesus followers are living a lie and pursuing a goal for their life that is clearly opposed to God's plan. And if we claim to be following Jesus and are living uh, out our lives in something contrary to his plan, which is interdependent, it's not going to go so well. It's not going to go so well. Hmm. The first thing God said that was not good is what? For man to be alone. That is correct. The Lord God said, Genesis 2.18, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now, this verse continually fascinates me. Hmm. The Lord God said it's not good for man to be alone. How does this work? It's fascinating because was Adam alone? No. Who was with him? God was with him. That is correct. Adam wasn't alone in the garden. God was with him. He walked with him in the garden. They had vital relationship, God and Adam. And yet God said it's not good for man to be alone. How does that work? Adam wasn't alone. God was with him. But God said it's not good for man to be alone. Anybody got an answer? Okay, I'll take a shot at it. We were created for relationship with God, but I'm convinced we were also created with, for relationship with one another. Hmm. Could it be that without relationship with one another, we are not complete? It's not good for man to be alone. God was with him. And I've heard people say, that. oh, it's just Jesus and me. God's enough for me. Christ is enough for me. That's all I need. Jesus. Just give me more of Jesus. Okay. I can buy that because I believe that's true. I believe Christ is enough. He's all we need. But does it complete the picture that God is painting for us? Do we need to take a step further? Could it be we are never, ever complete until we are connected this way as well as this way? And yet we work so hard to build walls. And I wonder, where are we going with all this? Where are we going with all this? Genesis reveals that once people turned away from God, once we turned away from God's plan in the garden, we became disconnected from God. We became disconnected from each other, and we end up lost and lonely. Lost and lonely. And that's why God sent his son, because we're lost and we're lonely. Walking in the wilderness, and we're searching for something deep in our hearts. And every one of us is lost and lonely. We just want to get home. We just want to get home and figure out, what's the meaning to all this? Why am I here? What am I doing? We are lonely. We are lonely. Of all the nations on the entire planet, the United States is one of the loneliest places on the face of the earth. Are you aware of that? Hmm. We have the highest percentage of one-person households on the entire planet. Blown away. We have the highest divorce rate in the world. Wide margin. Never in the history of our nation have Americans been so isolated from one another. Even though technology binds us together. Most people get up in the morning, drive to work, drive to school, perhaps do a little shopping afterwards. Then we drive home again. Then we turn on our screens and we watch other people live life. What kind of life is this? I don't get it. I'm really struggling with this, trying to understand. Uh, Cindy and I don't eat out a lot, but uh, we had the opportunity to uh, meet someone at family restaurant right here in Sheboygan. How many of you eaten there? 
Good price, way too much food. You can feed three people on the portion. But it's great, good value, right? So I'm sitting there with this other family that's from out of state, right? And I'm watching this woman, and she comes in, and I assumed it was two, her daughters, anyway. She comes in with two teenagers. She's on her phone. This woman, probably 40s, right? And on her phone, she's got a game going in which she has to do this with her hands, right? So she comes into the restaurant, and she's doing this with her phone. Boom, 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 boom. I thought, man, that's interesting. I'd expect a younger person to be doing this. She is absolutely focused on this. She is led over, and she sits down, never misses a beat. She's on her phone doing this, this, and this. Boom, 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 boom. The server comes over. I'm watching her. She never looks at the server. Boom, 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 boom. She orders her food. Boom, 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 boom. Her daughters are talking to her. I'm watching this. She's boom, 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 boom. She glances up. Boom, 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 boom. She's on her phone, right? Boom, boom. Food comes. Boom, 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 boom. Boom. She puts her phone down. Down. She's doing a left hand. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. Boom. Server comes. Asks if you want anything. Boom, boom, boom. Never looks up. Boom, boom, boom. No, no, no. Boom, 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 boom. And these characters are running across the screen. Never once did she look up i am serious from the time i came into that restaurant to the time i left she never looked up from that phone screen i couldn't believe it i felt like going over and tapping her on the shoulder Ooh, i was this close i'm like what in the world is this ah i don't get this we were created to live in community. Why do we try so hard to live independently from everyone else, pretending we don't need anyone? Why do we play this game? Why? Maybe it's because of the smell coming from the fridge. We all have at least a few Tupperware dishes of old, nasty-smelling food in your fridge. How many of you have those or have had those? Man, generally they're stuck in the back, and you pop the lid, and it's like, oh, my goodness. Unleash the apocalypse, right? It's right here. What was that? I don't. I can't even identify it anymore. <laughs> but I'm convinced that that smells like the pain festering in our hearts from relational wounds, or the shame of things we've done to others, or others have done to us, and we'd rather not deal with it. We'd rather not let others see it. And we've all been wounded by community gone wild, so we pull in. We pull in. I've been hurt. I've been hurt. And this pain is festering, and I build walls, and I isolate myself, and I'm going to convince myself that this is living. (laughs) Therapist and pastor Dr. Will Miller advocates changing our lifestyles. He wrote a book called Refrigerator Rights, and what he says is this, establishing close connections with friends and family who are trusted enough to enter our homes and help themselves to whatever is in the fridge. Kind of like that thinking, don't you? <clears throat> How many people can have access to your fridge? Just walk right up there and open her up and, ooh, what's that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how long it's been there either. Whoa, baby. Many of us are experiencing this new form of loneliness. This is kind of unique to our day and age. It comes from being overcommitted and underconnected. We are overcommitted, attempting to fill the loneliness in our own hearts by activity, and yet we're underconnected relationally. And so this chasm begins to grow wider and wider and wider. We are overcommitted, but we are underconnected. Social isolation has now been normalized in this country, and it is accepted. 
It is not accepted in Scripture. I want you to understand that. Social isolation, uh uh-uh, not acceptable in Scripture. Sadly, loneliness is like little dings and scratches in our car. We hardly notice them anymore. They're there. If you look closely enough, they're there. They're there. So others are jumping in to correct what they see happening in America. The social gurus all looking at this. How can we reconnect as a people? I got one answer for you. Facebook. Woo! On June 30th, 2017, a few weeks ago, co-founder and CEO of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, said this. He's noted that all kinds of groups have declined in the community groups have declined the last several decades. So he wants Facebook to fill the role that churches and social clubs once did in communities. I quote from Zuckerberg, There's a, that's a lot of people who now need to find a sense of purpose and support somewhere else other than the church. He believes Facebook's community support groups, that's the answer. In fact, bringing people closer together is so important. Zuckerberg says, we're going to change Facebook's whole mission to take this on. The churches have failed, so Facebook is the future. Mm, let me think about that. Church, about 2,000 years old, growing around the world. Facebook, eh, maybe here for a few more years, right? I'm not worried about Mark Zuckerberg. I'm not worried about Facebook. But this is society's attempt to overcome this great chasm that's existing in our country, this disconnectedness, this restlessness that we all feel being disconnected and discontented. Hmm. Hmm. You see, there's a direct correlation, I'm convinced, between our disconnectedness and our discontentedness. It shows itself in our unhappiness and our anger just below the surface in many Americans today. We are just refusing to be content in what Jesus has given us. And I have to wrestle with this myself. I get this. A British think tank put together the Happy Planet Index, which compiles factors like life expectancy, life satisfaction. Guess where the U.S. ranked when it comes to happiness and contentedness? Right near the bottom. USA, USA, right? Okay. 150 out of 172 countries. You know number one country in the world. Happiest, most contented place on the planet. It's a place called Vanuatu. Is Amy here? Amy Phillip? Ah, Amy's downstairs. She was just in Vanuatu for a month serving there. Cool place. It's a South Pacific ocean island nation it's got a population about 200,000 the report noted and i quote people are generally happy here because they are satisfied with very little this is not a consumer driven society life here is about community and family and goodwill to others life here is about community huh it's a unique country 200,000 people it's got 150 languages 200,000 people what holds it all together why are they so invested in community and so contented 83% are Jesus followers in Vanuatu. 83%. You think there's any direct correlation between being connected in what God has given or not given us and being connected in the relationships that he's given us with him and with others and finding contentment in life? Who, baby. Who, baby. Besides, I wouldn't mind moving to Vanuatu. The weather's great, right? Huh. Huh. Maybe the American myth of independence is not getting us 
what we really want, nor is it taking us where we want to go. We are a fundamentally unhappy nation, and this is reflected in all kinds of statistics. I don't need to get into uh, murders, rapes, and that kind of stuff. We are number one in antidepressant by a long margin. Yay! We're so happy! (laughs) We are created for community with God and others. It's not good for us to be alone. That's why God sent his son. So we would never have to be alone. That's why God has given us other people in our lives. So that we never have to be alone. Just take a moment and think about how many people outside your immediate family actually love you and would be there for you no matter what. For many of us, that number is depressingly low, but that's true of any age group. While it's been shown how the elderly have been have benefited from increased online communication, I can't believe how much my mom is online. It's like, man, what? But those who naturally gravitate personality-wise towards isolation, a little more reserved and introverted, and they begin substituting the Internet for human contact, they actually become more lonely more lonely the more they use social media. Woo. Our culture has normalized living alone. Do we understand that? Our culture has normalized living alone while other cultures value extended families. See, in other cultures, you often spend your entire life with your children and grandchildren. Your entire life is lived in community around the world. I love this one. American Psychological Association meta-study. 3.4 3.4 million people. So it's a, it's a meta-study. Concluded, I love this, social isolation caused the risk of premature death to surge. The social, or the risk of social isolation has a greater impact on dying early than obesity. Obesity. Oh, we all don't like obesity. We're all doing all kinds of stuff. Cut down childhood obesity. Right? And that's good. It's good. It's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to do. But understand, the reports are coming back now that social isolation is killing us faster than obesity. Ah. Today we declare this as unacceptable at Southside. We will stand against the cultural norms, the shifting sands of society. We will say God connected us through Jesus. We will connect with each other. This is God's intended plan. The church must be, has to be, that kind of community. So I want to challenge all of us. We have to be connected. How do we do that? You've been hearing about home groups here at Southside. Very, very important, and I think a very good way to connect. Let's think about that uh, for just a moment. 